Hello and welcome to the Strange Tales podcast presented by me your host Winston R. Douglas. We are a weekly podcast that looks at weird and wonderful tales from history, true crime, conspiracies and much more. I will try to cover various topics from different eras hopefully we can take a journey through history together. If you are a first time listener please look back on our previous episodes, if you are a returning listener thank you for your continual support. If you enjoy the podcast please smash that gorgeous like button, and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also if you could write a 5 star review that would really help us get the word out, so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at strangetalespod at gmail.com, with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash strangetalespod. Where we have plans from as little as 3 US dollars a month and you can opt out any time. Any help is much appreciated. This week we look into a cybercrime gang that is the Lazarus Group. Lazarus Group also known by other names such as Guardians of Peace or Who is Team is a cybercrime group made up of an unknown number of individuals. While not much is known about the Lazarus Group, researchers have attributed many cyber attacks to them over the last decade. Names given by cybersecurity firms include Hidden Cobra by the United States Intelligence Community and Zinc by Microsoft. The Lazarus Group has strong links to North Korea. The United States Federal Bureau of Investigation says that the Lazarus Group is a North Korean state-sponsored hacking organization. The Lazarus Group were reported to have stolen 12 million US dollars from the Banco del Ostro in Ecuador and 1 million US dollars from Vietnam's Tien Phong Bank in 2015. They have also targeted banks in Poland and Mexico. The 2016 bank heist included an attack on the Bangladesh Bank, successfully stealing 81 million US dollars, and was attributed to the group. In 2017, the Lazarus Group was reported to have stolen 60 million US dollars from the Far Eastern International Bank of Taiwan although the actual amount stolen was unclear, and most of the funds were recovered. Okay let's get into today's strange tale. Cybersecurity expert Kurt Stamberger from cybersecurity firm Norse, DEFCON organizer and Cloudflare researcher Mark Rogers, Hector Monsega, and Kim Zetter, a security journalist at Wired magazine, have expressed doubt and tended to agree that North Korea might not be behind the attack. Michael Hiltzik, a journalist for the Los Angeles Times, said that all evidence against North Korea was circumstantial and that some cybersecurity experts were skeptical about attributing the attack to the North Koreans. Cybersecurity expert Lukas Zykovsky said, state-sponsored attackers don't create cool names for themselves like guardians of peace and promote their activity to the public. Kim Zetter of Wired magazine called released evidence against the government flimsy. Former hacker Hector Monsega, who once hacked into Sony, 
explained to CBS News that exfiltrating 1 or 100 terabytes of data without anyone noticing would have taken months or years, not weeks. Monsega doubted the accusations due to North Korea's insufficient internet infrastructure to handle the transfer of that much data. He believed that it could have been either Chinese, Russian, or North Korean-sponsored hackers working outside of the country, but most likely to be the deed of a Sony employee. Stamberger provided to the FBI Norse's findings that suggest the hack was an inside job, stating, Sony was not just hacked, this is a company that was essentially nuked from the inside. We are very confident that this was not an attack masterminded by North Korea and that insiders were key to the implementation of one of the most devastating attacks in history. Stamberger believes that the security failure may have originated from six disgruntled former Sony employees, based on their past skill sets and discussions these people made in chat rooms. Norse employees identified these people from a list of workers that were eliminated from Sony during a restructuring in May 2014, and noted that some had made very public and angry responses to their firing, and would be in appropriate positions to identify the means to access secure parts of Sony's servers. After a private briefing lasting three hours, the FBI formally rejected Norse's alternative assessment. Seth Rogen also expressed doubts about the claims that North Korea was behind the hack. Based on the timeline of events and the amount of information hacked, he believes the hack may have been conducted by a Sony employee. I've also heard people say that they think someone was hired to do the hack as a way of getting Amy Pascal fired. I don't know if I subscribe to those theories, but I kind of don't think it was North Korea. In response to allegations that the intrusion was the result of an inside job, or something other than a state-sponsored cyber attack, computer forensic specialist Kevin Mandia, president of the security firm FireEye, commented that there isn't a shred of evidence that an insider was responsible for the attack, and that the evidence uncovered by his security firm supports the position of the United States government. In February 2016, analytics firm Levetta issued a joint investigative report into the attack. The report, published in collaboration with Kaspersky Lab, Symantec, Alien Vault, Invincia, Trend Micro, Carbon Black, Punch Cyber, Risk IQ, Threat Connect and Velexity, concluded that a well-resourced organization had committed the intrusion, and that we strongly believe that the SB attack was not the work of insiders or hacktivists. The analysis said that the same group is engaged in military espionage campaigns. Because of the depth and scope of malware tools, structure of the analyzed code bases, TTP overlap with similar attacks, and long trail of activities attributed to the Lazarus group, Novetta does not believe that the SB attack was carried out by insiders or hacktivists, but rather by a more structured, resourced, and motivated organization. Although our analysis cannot support direct attribution of a nation-state or other specific group due to the difficulty of proper attribution in the cyber realm, the FBI's official attribution claims could be supported by our findings. The US Department of Justice issued formal charges related to the Sony hack on North Korean citizen Park jin Hyok on September 6, 2018. The Department of Justice contends that Park was a North Korean hacker that worked for the country's Reconnaissance General Bureau, the equivalent of the CIA. 
The Department of Justice also asserted that Park was partially responsible for arranging the WannaCry ransomware attack of 2017, having developed part of the ransomware software. The Department of Justice had previously identified Park and had been monitoring him for some time, but could not indict him immediately as much of the information around him was classified. The criminal complaint was unsealed by the U.S. Department of Justice via a press release in September of 2018. Obama also issued a legislative proposal to Congress to update current laws such as the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act and introduce new ones to allow federal and national law enforcement officials to better respond to cybercrimes like the Sony hack, and to be able to prosecute such crimes compatibly to similar offline crimes, while protecting the privacy of Americans. Less than a month following the attack, North Korea reportedly lost its connection to the Internet. Although the United States government did not take credit, President Obama announced that the United States would carry out a proportional response in light of the Sony hack. In December 2014, Sony requested that the media stop covering the hack. Sony also threatened legal action if the media did not comply, but according to law professor Eugene Volokh, Sony's legal threats are unlikely to prevail. Sony then threatened legal action against Twitter if it did not suspend accounts of people who posted the hacked material. American screenwriter Aaron Sorkin wrote an op-ed for the New York Times opining that the media was helping the hackers by publishing and reporting on the leaked information. The threats made directly at Sony over the interview were seen by many as a threat to free speech. The decision to pull the film was criticized by several Hollywood filmmakers, actors, and television hosts, including Ben Stiller, Steve Carell, Rob Lowe, Jimmy Kimmel, and Judd Apatow. Some commentators contrasted the situation to the non-controversial release of the 2014 America, World Police, a film that mocked the leadership of North Korea's prior leader, Kim Jong-il. The Alamo Drafthouse was poised to replace showings of the interview with Team America until the film's distributor Paramount Pictures ordered the theaters to stop. In light of the threats made to Sony over the interview, New Regency cancelled its March 2015 production plans for a film adaptation of the graphic novel Pyongyang, A Journey in North Korea, which was set to star Steve Carell. Hustler announced its intentions to make a pornographic parody film of the interview. Hustler founder Larry Flint said, if Kim Jong-un and his henchmen were upset before, wait till they see the movie we're going to make. In China, the media coverage of the hackings has been limited and outside sources have been censored. A search for North Korea hack on Baidu, China's leading search engine returned just one article, which named North Korea as one of several suspects. However, Google, which was and is inaccessible in China, returned more than 36 million results for the same query. Pua Chunying, a spokeswoman of foreign affairs, shied away from directly addressing the Sony hacking situation. 2016 Bangladesh Bank Cyber Heist Like many other national banks, Bangladesh Bank, the central bank of Bangladesh, maintains an account with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to deposit, maintain, and transfer foreign currency reserve of Bangladesh. 
The foreign currency reserve of Bangladesh, a growing economy, often reaches multiple billions of US dollars. As of September 2020, Bangladesh has a foreign currency reserve of 39 billion US dollars. The Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, SWIFT, network is used to communicate with the bank holding the foreign exchange account in order to withdraw, transfer, or deposit the currency. The 2016 cyber attack on the Bangladesh Bank was not the first attack of its kind. In 2013, the Shanali Bank of Bangladesh was also successfully targeted by hackers who were able to remove 250,000 US dollars. In both cases, the perpetrators were suspected to have been aided by insiders within the targeted banks, who assisted in taking advantage of weaknesses in the bank's access to the SWIFT global payment network. Capitalizing on weaknesses in the security of the Bangladesh Central Bank, including the possible involvement of some of its employees, perpetrators attempted to steal 951 million US dollars from the Bangladesh Bank's account with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The theft happened sometime between February 4 to 5, 2016 when Bangladesh Bank's offices were closed for the weekend. The perpetrators managed to compromise Bangladesh Bank's computer network, observe how transfers are done, and gain access to the bank's credentials for payment transfers. They used these credentials to authorize about three dozen requests to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. These requests were made to transfer funds to accounts in Sri Lanka and the Philippines. 30 transactions worth 851 million US dollars were flagged by the banking system for staff review, but five requests were granted. 20 million US dollars to Sri Lanka later recovered, and 81 million US dollars lost to the Philippines, entering the Southeast Asian country's banking system on February 5, 2016. This money was laundered through casinos and some later transferred to Hong Kong. The 20 million US dollars transfer to Sri Lanka was intended by hackers to be sent to the Shalika Foundation, a Sri Lanka-based private limited company. The hackers misspell foundation in their request to transfer the funds, spelling the word as foundation. This spelling error gained suspicion from Deutsche Bank, a routing bank which put a halt to the transaction in question after seeking clarifications from Bangladesh Bank. Sri Lanka-based Panasia Bank initially took notice of the transaction, with one official noting the transaction as too big for a country like Sri Lanka. Panasia Bank was the one which referred the anomalous transaction to Deutsche Bank. The Sri Lankan funds have been recovered by Bangladesh Bank. Funds diverted to the Philippines. The money transferred to the Philippines was deposited in five separate accounts with the Rizal Commercial Banking Corporation, RCBC. The accounts were later found to be under fictitious identities. The funds were then transferred to a foreign exchange broker to be converted to Philippine pesos, returned to the RCBC and consolidated in an account of a Chinese Filipino businessman. The conversion was made from February 5 to 13, 2016. It was also found that the four US dollar accounts involved were opened at the RCBC as early as May 15, 2015, 
remaining untouched until February 4, 2016, the date the transfer from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York was made. February 8, 2016, Bangladesh Bank informed RCBC through SWIFT to stop the payment, refund the funds, and to freeze and put the funds on hold if the funds had already been transferred. Chinese New Year is a non-working holiday in the Philippines and a swift message from Bangladesh Bank containing similar information was received by RCBC only a day later. By this time, a withdrawal amounting to about 58.15 million US dollars had already been processed by RCBC's Jupiter Street branch. February 16, the governor of Bangladesh Bank requested Banco Central and Pilipinas assistance in the recovery of its 81 million US dollar funds, saying that the swift payment instructions issued in favor of RCBC on February 4, 2016, were fraudulent. Initially, Bangladesh Bank was uncertain if its system had been compromised. The governor of the central bank engaged World Informatics Cybersecurity, a US-based firm, to lead the security incident response, vulnerability assessment and remediation. World Informatics Cybersecurity brought in the forensic investigation company Mandiant, for the investigation. These investigators found footprints and malware of hackers, which suggested that the system had been breached. The investigators also said that the hackers were based outside Bangladesh. An internal investigation has been launched by Bangladesh Bank regarding the case. The Bangladesh Bank's forensic investigation found out that malware was installed within the bank's system sometime in January 2016, and gathered information on the bank's operational procedures for international payments and fund transfers. The investigation also looked into an unsolved, 2013 hacking incident at the Shinali Bank, wherein $250,000 was stolen by still unidentified hackers. According to reports, just as in the 2016 Central Bank hack, the theft also used fraudulent fund transfers using the SWIFT Global Payment Network. The incident was treated by Bangladeshi police authorities as a cold case until the suspiciously similar 2016 Bangladesh Central Bank robbery. The Philippines National Bureau of Investigation NBI, launched a probe and looked into a Chinese Filipino, who allegedly played a key role in the money laundering of the illicit funds. The NBI is coordinating with relevant government agencies including the country's Anti-Money Laundering Council AMLC. The AMLC started its investigation on February 19, 2016, of bank accounts linked to a junket operator. AMLC has filed a money laundering complaint before the Department of Justice against a RCBC branch manager and five unknown persons with fictitious names in connection with the case. A Philippine Senate hearing was held on March 15, 2016, a closed-door hearing was later held on March 17. Philippine Amusement and Gaming Corporation, PACOR, has also launched its own investigation. On August 12, 2016, RCBC was reported to have paid half of the PH1 billion penalty imposed by the Central Bank of the Philippines. Prior to that, the bank reorganized its board of directors by increasing the number of independent directors to seven from the previous four. On 10 January 2019, Maya Santos de Guito, a former manager at RCBC was convicted and sentenced, 
to four to seven years imprisonment at a Philippine court for money laundering. On 12 March 2019, RCBC sued Bangladesh Bank for embarking on a massive ploy and scheme to extort money from plaintiff RCBC by resorting to public defamation, harassment and threats geared towards destroying RCBC's good name, reputation, and image. FireEye's Mandiant Forensics Division and World Informatics Cybersecurity, both US-based companies, investigated the hacking case. According to investigators, the perpetrator's familiarity with the internal procedures of Bangladesh Bank was probably gained by spying on its workers. The US Federal Bureau of Investigation reported that agents have found evidence pointing to at least one bank employee acting as an accomplice. The FBI also alleged that there is evidence that points to several more people as possibly assisting hackers in navigating the Bangladesh Bank's computer system. The government of Bangladesh has considered suing the Federal Reserve Bank of New York in order to recover the stolen funds. Federal prosecutors in the United States have revealed possible links between the government of North Korea and the theft. According to this report, U.S. prosecutors suspected that the theft was perpetrated by criminals backed by the government of North Korea. The report also said that to be included in the charges are alleged Chinese middlemen, who facilitated the transfer of the funds after it had been diverted to the Philippines. Some security companies, including Symantec Corp and BAE Systems, claimed that the North Korea-based Lazarus Group, one of the world's most active state-sponsored hacking collectives, were probably behind the attack. They cite similarities between the methods used in the Bangladesh heist and those in other cases, such as the hack of Sony Pictures Entertainment in 2014, which US officials also attributed to North Korea. Cybersecurity experts say Lazarus Group was also behind the WannaCry ransomware attack in May 2017, that infected hundreds of thousands of computers around the world. The cybersecurity, an infrastructure security agency published an alert Fastcash 2.0, North Korea's Beagle Boys robbing banks, which attributed the Bank of Bangladesh hack in 2016 to Beagle Boys. The agency claimed that Beagle Boys is a threat actor group under the North Korean government's Reconnaissance General Bureau, and have been active since 2014. U.S. National Security Agency Deputy Director Richard Leggett was also quoted as saying that, if that linkage from the Sony actors to the Bangladeshi bank actors is accurate, that means that a nation-state is robbing banks. The U.S. has charged a North Korean computer programmer with hacking the Bangladesh bank, alleging this was carried out on behalf of the regime in Pyongyang. The same programmer has also been charged in connection with the WannaCry 2.0 virus and the 2014 Sony Pictures attack. Other attacks Computer security researchers have linked the theft to as many as 11 other attacks, and alleged that North Korea had a role in the attacks which, if true, would be the first known incident of a state actor using cyber attacks to steal funds. Aisha Rahman, governor of Bangladesh Bank who resigned from his post in response to the case. The Rizal Commercial Banking Corporation, RCBC, said it did not tolerate the illicit activity in the RCBC branch involved in the case. 
Lorenzo V. Tan, RCBC's president, said that the bank cooperated with the Anti-Money Laundering Council and the Banco Central Ung Pilipinas regarding the matter. Tan's legal counsel has asked the RCBC Jupiter Street branch manager to explain the alleged fake bank account that was used in the money laundering scam. The RCBC's board committee also launched a separate probe into the bank's involvement in the money laundering scam. RCBC President Lorenzo V. Tan filed an indefinite leave of absence to give way to the investigation by the authorities on the case. On May 6, 2016, despite being cleared of any wrongdoing by the bank's internal investigation, Tan resigned as president of RCBC to take full moral responsibility for the incident. Helen Yushchenko D., daughter of RCBC founder Alfonso Yushchenko, will take over the bank's operations. The bank also apologized to the public for its involvement in the robbery. Bangladesh Bank Chief, Governor Asha Raman, resigned from his post amid the investigation of the central bank robbery and subsequent laundering of the money by the RCBC staff in the Philippines. He submitted his resignation letter to Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina on March 15, 2016. Before the resignation was made public, Rahman stated that he would resign for the sake of his country. After his resignation, Rahman defended himself by claiming that he had foreseen cybersecurity vulnerabilities one year ago and had hired an American cybersecurity firm to bolster the firewall, network and overall cybersecurity of the bank. However, he blamed bureaucratic hurdles for preventing the security firm from starting its operations in Bangladesh until after the cyber heist. August 5, 2016, the Banco Central and Pilipinas approved a 1 billion, 52.92 million US dollar, fine against RCBC for its non-compliance with banking laws and regulations in connection with the bank robbery. This is the largest monetary fine ever approved by BSB against any institution. RCBC stated that the bank would comply with the BSB's decision and pay the imposed fine. The Bangladesh Bank continued its efforts to retrieve the stolen money and had only recovered about 15 million US dollars, mostly from a gaming junket operator based in Metro Manila. In February 2019, the Federal Reserve pledged it would help Bangladesh Bank recover the money and SWIFT has also decided to help the central bank rebuild its infrastructure. The Bangladeshi Central Bank also believed that RCBC was complicit with the robbery filing a legal case in U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York regarding the case in early 2019 accusing the Philippine Bank of massive conspiracy. In response, RCBC filed a lawsuit accusing Bangladesh Bank of defamation believing that Bangladesh Bank's claims are baseless. The case threatened to reinstate the Philippines to the Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering blacklist of countries that made insufficient efforts against money laundering. Attention was given to a potential weakness of Philippine authorities' efforts against money laundering after lawmakers in 2012 managed to exclude casinos from the roster of organizations required to report to the Anti-Money Laundering Council regarding suspicious transactions. The case also highlighted the threat of cyber attacks to both government and private institutions by cyber criminals using real bank authorization codes to make orders look genuine. 
SWIFT has advised banks using the SWIFT Alliance Access System to strengthen their cybersecurity posture and ensure they are following SWIFT security guidelines. Bangladesh is reportedly the 20th most cyber-attacked country, according to a cyber threat map developed by Kaspersky Lab, which runs in real time. WannaCry is a ransomware cryptoworm, which targeted computers running the Microsoft Windows operating system by encrypting data, and demanding ransom payments in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency. The worm is also known as WannaCrypt, WannaDecrypt 0R2.0, WannaCrypt 0R2.0, and WannaDecryptor. It is considered a network worm, because it also includes a transport mechanism to automatically spread itself. This transport code scans for vulnerable systems, then uses the Eternal Blue exploit to gain access, and the Double Pulsar tool to install and execute a copy of itself. WannaCry versions 0, 1, and 2 were created using Microsoft Visual C++ 6.0. Eternal Blue is an exploit of Windows Server Message Block SMB, protocol released by the Shadow Brokers. Much of the attention and comment around the event was occasioned by the fact that the US NSA had already discovered the vulnerability, but used it to create an exploit for its own offensive work, rather than report it to Microsoft. Microsoft eventually discovered the vulnerability, and on, the 14th of March 2017, they issued security bulletin MS-17010, which detailed the flaw and announced that patches had been released for all Windows versions that were currently supported at that time, these being Windows Vista, Windows 7, Windows 8.1, Windows 10, Windows Server 2008, Windows Server 2008 R2, Windows Server 2012, and Windows Server 2016. Double Pulsar is a backdoor tool, also released by the Shadow Brokers on the 14th of April 2017. Starting from the 21st of April 2017, security researchers reported that there were tens of thousands of computers with the double pulsar backdoor installed. By the 25th of April, reports estimated that the number of infected computers could be up to several hundred thousand, with numbers increasing every day. The WannaCry code can take advantage of any existing double pulsar infection, or installs it itself. On the 9th of May 2017, private cybersecurity company RiskSense released code on GitHub with the stated purpose of allowing legal whitehead penetration testers to test the CV-2017-0144 exploit on unpatched systems. When executed, the WannaCry malware first checks the kill switch domain name, if it is not found, then the ransomware encrypts the computer's data, then attempts to exploit the SMB vulnerability to spread out to random computers on the internet, and laterally to computers on the same network. As with other modern ransomware, the payload displays a message informing the user that their files have been encrypted, and demands a payment of around 300 US dollars in Bitcoin within three days, or 600 US dollars within seven days, warning that you have not so enough time. Three hard-coded Bitcoin addresses, or wallets, are used to receive the payments of victims. As with all such wallets, their transactions and balances are publicly accessible even though the cryptocurrency wallet owners remain unknown.
The attack began on Friday the 12th of May 2017, with evidence pointing to an initial infection in Asia at 7.44 UTC. The initial infection was likely through an exposed vulnerable SMB port, rather than email phishing as initially assumed. Within a day the code was reported to have infected more than 230,000 computers in over 150 countries. Organizations that had not installed Microsoft's security update from April 2017 were affected by the attack. Those still running unsupported versions of Microsoft Windows, such as Windows XP and Windows Server 2003 were at particularly high risk because no security patches had been released since April 2014 for Windows XP and July 2015 for Windows Server 2003. A Kaspersky Lab study reported, however, that less than 0.1% of the affected computers were running Windows XP, and that 98% of the affected computers were running Windows 7. In a controlled testing environment, the cybersecurity firm Cryptos Logic found that it was unable to infect a Windows XP system with WannaCry using just the exploits, as the payload failed to load, or caused the operating system to crash rather than actually execute and encrypt files. However, when executed manually, WannaCry could still operate on Windows XP. Experts quickly advised affected users against paying the ransom due to no reports of people getting their data back after payment, and as high revenues would encourage more of such campaigns. As of the 14th of June 2017, after the attack had subsided, a total of 327 payments totaling 130,634 US dollars and 77 cents had been transferred. The day after the initial attack in May, Microsoft released out-of-band security updates for end-of-life products Windows XP, Windows Server 2003 and Windows 8, these patches had been created in February of that year following a tip-off about the vulnerability in January of that year. Organizations were advised to patch Windows and plug the vulnerability in order to protect themselves from the cyber attack. The head of Microsoft's Cyber Defense Operations Center, Adrienne Hall, said that due to the elevated risk for destructive cyber attacks at this time, we made the decision to take this action because applying these updates provides further protection against potential attacks with characteristics similar to WannaCrypt, alternative name to WannaCry. Researcher Marcus Hutchins discovered the kill switch domain hard-coded in the malware. Registering a domain name for a DNS sinkhole stopped the attack spreading as a worm, because the ransomware only encrypted the computer's files if it was unable to connect to that domain, which all computers infected with WannaCry before the website's registration had been unable to do. While this did not help already infected systems, it severely slowed the spread of the initial infection and gave time for defensive measures to be deployed worldwide, particularly in North America and Asia, which had not been attacked to the same extent as elsewhere. On the 14th of May, a first variant of WannaCry appeared with a new and second kill switch registered by Matt Swish on the same day. This was followed by a second variant with the third and last kill switch on the 15th of May, which was registered by Checkpoint Threat Intelligence analysts. A few days later, a new version of WannaCry was detected that lacked the kill switch altogether. 
On the 19th of May, it was reported that hackers were trying to use a Mirai Bartnet variant to effect a distributed denial-of-service attack on WannaCry's kill switch domain with the intention of knocking it offline. On the 22nd of May, Hutchins protected the domain by switching to a cached version of the site, capable of dealing with much higher traffic loads than the live site. Separately, researchers from University College London and Boston University reported that their pay-break system could defeat WannaCry and several other families of ransomware by recovering the keys used to encrypt the user's data. It was discovered that Windows encryption APIs used by WannaCry may not completely clear the prime numbers used to generate the payload's private keys from the memory, making it potentially possible to retrieve the required key if they had not yet been overwritten or cleared from resident memory. The key is kept in the memory if the WannaCry process has not been killed, and the computer has not been rebooted after being infected. This behavior was used by a French researcher to develop a tool known as WannaKey, which automates this process on Windows XP systems. This approach was iterated upon by a second tool known as WannaKeyWi, which was tested to work on Windows 7 and Server 2008 R2 as well. Within four days of the initial outbreak, new infections had slowed to a trickle due to these responses. Linguistic analysis of the ransom notes indicated the authors were likely fluent in Chinese and proficient in English, as the versions of the notes in those languages were probably human-written while the rest seemed to be machine-translated. According to an analysis by the FBI's Cyber Behavioral Analysis Center, the computer that created the ransomware language files had Hangul language fonts installed, as evidenced by the presence of the backslash jarset 129 rich text format tag. Metadata in the language files also indicated that the computers that created the ransomware were set to UTC plus 9, used in Korea. A Google security researcher initially posted a tweet referencing code similarities between WannaCry and previous malware. The cybersecurity companies Kaspersky Lab and Symantec have both said the code has some similarities with that previously used by the Lazarus Group. This could also be either simple reuse of code by another group, or an attempt to shift blame, as in a cyber false flag operation, but a leaked internal NSA memo is alleged to have also linked the creation of the worm to North Korea. Brad Smith, the president of Microsoft, said he believed North Korea was the originator of the WannaCry attack, and the UK's National Cyber Security Center reached the same conclusion. On the 18th of December 2017, the United States government formally announced that it publicly considers North Korea to be the main culprit behind the WannaCry attack. President Trump's Homeland Security Advisor, Tom Bossert, wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about this charge, saying we do not make this allegation lightly. It is based on evidence. In a press conference the following day, Bossert said that the evidence indicates that Kim Jong-un had given the order to launch the malware attack Bossert said that Canada, New Zealand and Japan agree with the United States assessment of the evidence that links the attack to North Korea, while the United Kingdom's Foreign and Commonwealth Office says it also stands behind the United States assertion. On 6 September 2018, 
The U.S. Department of Justice announced formal charges against Park Jin Hyok for involvement in the Sony Pictures hack of 2014. The DOJ contended that Park was a North Korean hacker working as part of a team of experts for the North Korean Reconnaissance General Bureau. The Department of Justice asserted this team also had been involved in the WannaCry attack, among other activities. The ransomware campaign was unprecedented in scale according to Europol, which estimates that around 200,000 computers were infected across 150 countries. According to Kaspersky Lab, the four most affected countries were Russia, Ukraine, India, and Taiwan. One of the largest agencies struck by the attack was the National Health Service hospitals in England and Scotland, and up to 70,000 devices, including computers, MRI scanners, blood storage refrigerators and theater equipment, may have been affected. On the 12th of May, some NHS services had to turn away non-critical emergencies, and some ambulances were diverted. In 2016, thousands of computers in 42 separate NHS trusts in England were reported to be still running Windows XP. In 2018 a report by members of parliament concluded that all 200 NHS hospitals or other organizations checked in the wake of the WannaCry attack still failed cybersecurity checks. NHS hospitals in Wales and Northern Ireland were unaffected by the attack. Nissan Motor Manufacturing UK in Tyne and Ware, England, halted production after the ransomware infected some of their systems. Renault also stopped production at several sites in an attempt to stop the spread of the ransomware. Spain's Telefonica, FedEx and Deutsche Bahn were hit, along with many other countries and companies worldwide. The attack's impact is said to be relatively low compared to other potential attacks of the same type and could have been much worse had Hutchins not discovered that a kill switch had been built in by its creators or if it had been specifically targeted on highly critical infrastructure, like nuclear power plants, dams or railway systems. According to cyber risk modeling firm Science, economic losses from the cyber attack could reach up to 4 billion US dollars with other groups estimating the losses to be in the hundreds of millions. In mid-September 2019, the USA issued a public alert about a new version of malware dubbed Electric Fish. Since the beginning of 2019, North Korean agents have attempted five major cyber thefts worldwide, including a successful $49 million theft from an institution in Kuwait. Due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, pharmaceutical companies became major targets for the Lazarus Group. Using spear phishing techniques, Lazarus Group members posed as health officials and contacted pharmaceutical company employees with malicious links. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's strange tale. If you did please smash that gorgeous like button, and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also if you could write a 5 star review that would really help us get the word out, so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at strangetalespod at gmail.com, with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon, 
go to patreon.com forward slash strange tales pod where we have plans from as little as three us dollars a month and you can opt out anytime any help is much appreciated this is me your host winston r douglas signing out for now thanks again hope to see you again soon